Hey, so you know how I'm always bugging you to go on patreon.com slash OntarioLoud or go to OntarioLoud.ca to support us on Patreon for less than the price of a cup of coffee? I'm always telling you how it makes our podcast better and expand our reach. Well, today I'm here with a different message, even though I just gave you that same message. If you want to support Ontario Loud but don't like the idea of becoming a patron, a Patreon patron, Patreon patron, patron on Patreon, moving on, if you don't like the idea of giving us money on the internet, leave us a review. Reading some things about podcasts this week, it is apparently super helpful in the world of podcast promotion. It helps us climb the charts. Fun fact, Ontario Loud has peaked in the top 20 Canadian political podcasts in the last several months. So a review just lights that fire even more, apparently helps it uh, get into that new and noteworthy section of Apple, which in our corporate controlled world means more listens and more likes. So head to the podcast store or iTunes and review Ontario Loud today. Help us win at late stage capitalism. Welcome to Ontario Loud, a podcast about politics, public policy, and current affairs had between recovering political staff right here in Ontario. I'm Chris Martin. And I'm Sam Andrew. And today we are continuing our coverage of the Ontario Liberal Leadership Race by sitting down with former Minister of Education, former Minister of Advanced Education, MPP for Scarborough Guildwood, and current candidate for leader of the Liberal Party, Mitzi Hunter. Uh, Mitzi, welcome back to Ontario Loud. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here, and it's great to see Sam here as well. <laughs> I have to say, uh, it always still feels very weird calling you Mitzi, uh, because for the benefit of those listening, Sam and I used to work for you when you were the Minister of Education. Actually, you gave me my first job in politics ever, so it's such a treat to have you on the pod today. AKA, I used to work for Sam. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <Together>. <laughs> Mitzi, your can- candidacy was a constant point of speculation in me media articles after the leadership contest was announced. You helped lead a group of liberals to try and reform the party to a more democratic system at the last convention. I want to start with a bit about yourself and what led you to this decision to run for the leader. Why do you think you should be the one to carry the party into the next election? Well, following on the last AGM, I mean, I was in that room for that entire debate on one member, one vote. And and I can always remember the gasp in the first vote when so many people put up their hand for change and reform of our party. And it really speaks to that desire in our party that you know, our party wants to be a different party. And, uh, and, and that's very exciting to me. Uh, you know, I've, I've been elected for the last six years and, and it's been incredible. I've had an opportunity to hold some of the most significant portfolios as far as I'm concerned. Pension reform is about the future and making sure that we look after those who built this province and country and, uh, and also education, which is also about the future and making sure that we're ready. And so being uh, in a position now where I won my seat in the last election uh, when there was a wave that swept through um, liberals, I was one of seven to retain my seat. It has given me an opportunity to really see the party and some of the aspects that we need to change. And also the fact that Ontarians um, 
are desiring that. And and when they're disappointed with the current uh, government and have lost trust or losing it rapidly in Premier Doug Ford, and they will look to the Ontario Liberal Party and they are going to want to see new faces in that party, innovation, ideas, and uh, and people that can lead the party forward. I believe that I'm one of those individuals. I bring uh, experience both inside the party as well as outside the party. And, uh, and I want to see the province being led by a progressive liberal government again. And, uh, and I believe that I'm most qualified to do that. So um, getting into a bit more of sort of what you want to do if you become a leader, um, you've released a central policy plan called uh, Taking Flight on Tackling Issues Facing Youth, including mental health coverage for those under 30, uh, restoring uh, student services uh, cut by Ford and providing interest relief on student uh, debt. Uh, can you tell us a little bit uh, more about your plan and why this is an important issue for you? Absolutely. It's it's something that I have a lot of passion for, um, you know, not just having served as minister, but as a local MPP, I know how important financial aid and support is for students and for young people, those that are uh, in the post-secondary education system, but also those aspiring to get there. And, um, you know, when OSAP reform came about, there were many individuals who felt like finally this was their chance at getting a university or college um, degree or diploma. And, and that was taken away from them in, in the first budget of, uh, of the Ford Conservative government, where $750 million was slashed from our post-secondary um, institutions and directly from students and student financial aid. So I want to bring back and replace every penny that was lost. I believe that this is an investment we need to make in our future. And I want to see students graduate with a less financial debt. The average is $28,000. It makes it difficult for them to um, make choices about their career, where they're going to live, whether they're going to start a family. And uh, and we shouldn't have that. We should have students graduating with less debt. So and I call it take flight because I want to give them a, a start, a running start to be able to, to get into their lives and into their careers with less financial burden. And that means reducing the amount that they pay on any student loans, um, extending the grace period, which um, the Ford Conservatives actually eliminate completely. They have to start paying um, interest on day one. I want to extend that to two years. I want to uh, keep the rate that they pay just, you know, even with the prime rate. You know, why are we making money on the backs of students who are actually uh, investing in themselves and in their education and in, in the future of this province? And um, and I also want to make sure that overall we have more financial aid and support for students and making sure that they can start off on a good foot. Student debt, uh, of course, is one contributing barrier to, as you mentioned, for ent- uh, youth entering into um, next stages of their lives. And uh, one thing that is uh, top of mind for a lot of people who just graduated is, is housing market. So you've talked a lot about the need to address affordable housing for youth in particular. Um, and so I'm curious, like, what specific strategies would you employ to ensure that youth can access the housing market? How does it work in the market like maybe Toronto, where development and construction pipeline is long, but prices continue to rise? Well, this is really the issue of the millennium generation. And as I go to different parts of the province or meet with um, young people in different settings, like even actually in professional settings where you would think that it wouldn't be their number one issue, it is their number one issue. Um, There are many young people who are earning a, a pretty decent wage 
but they actually aren't earning enough to get into the housing market or even to move out and to rent their own space. They're still stuck at home. And so that's something that must be addressed. And I I believe that we need to address it in a number of ways. Um, I've already announced uh, student housing is uh, is an area. We can look at uh, creative ways to perhaps have inclusionary zoning, uh, which is when there are opportunities to build, maybe think about building some student housing into that mix uh, if it's uh, in proximity to a university or a college campus. And this is not just a downtown Toronto major city issue. This is actually an issue across many communities uh, in our province. I've been to northern communities where they have had an influx of students. Maybe they're international students. And because the students are really occupying a lot of, of the available rental space, um, there is a bit of tension where people are looking for affordable spaces to rent for themselves and for their families, and they can't find that. Mm -hmm. So we have to make sure that we deal with the supply, but we also have to get creative. And so one of the ideas that I am exploring is how do we perhaps... um, match students who want access to uh, housing with maybe seniors who are, you know, empty nesters and have lots of available and extra space. And could we create a program that matches them up? Maybe with some of the programs uh, that are, are healthcare worker type programs. And, you know, you can also do some social inclusion there and deal with some of the social isolation that sometimes happens at later stages. These are just some of the innovative and creative ways that could free up some space uh, in our housing supply for for families and others who need access to that. I'm I'm very concerned about um, affordability, and uh, and and this is something that you know we see so many people spending more than thirty percent of their income on housing, and and that means that they don't have money for food and for other necessities, and that's a, an issue that we must address in this province and uh, come up with innovative and creative ways of dealing with it. So switching gears to K-12 education, you're a former minister of education. We obviously worked closely on that. Um, curious for um, your thoughts on sort of what's next on that file. I, you know, you uh, committed to a 90% graduation rate um, and sort of what you think the next step should be if you have any regrets about, um, you know, if we didn't go far enough when we were there and sort of what you would uh, want to do next. And people can't see the fact that you spontaneously smiled when you said <laughs> K to 12, Sam. Uh, so clearly this is a, a passion that we share. And um, I believe actually one of the greatest privileges of serving in public office in this province is being Minister of Education and having the opportunity to see students at the moment they learn. And uh, and it's pretty incredible. I want to say thank you to all of our education workers who do this remarkable job every day. And as a result, we have one of the best education systems in the world. But, you know, we can't sit still. We can't rest on our laurels. We have to continue to push the system and make sure that our students are set up to compete globally. And, and that's something that we have to continuously invest in. If I, if I was to say one of the things that I didn't get to finish as education minister was the focus that we had, the renewed focus that we had on early years. You know, it was the liberal government under Premier uh, McGinty and Premier Wynne that really committed to investments in full day kindergarten and really transforming um, that learning experience that parents 
as well as kindergarten students really value. You can really see that, that the moment they start learning in that environment, they grow. And so what are some of the things that we can do to invest in those earlier years and make sure that we set up all students uh, from their youngest ages for a lifetime of learning? And that's something that I would have wanted to see done. Also, to leapfrog into the tween years or the middle years, um, that's an area that I believe that we have a lot of opportunity to do more investment in, particularly on the resiliency side of things. I think that as young people are growing up, there's a lot more challenges in a digital age, uh, cyberbullying, and some of the complex things that they have to deal with. And we need to build in a little bit more resiliency in those middle years to to set up our youth for success when they enter high school. Uh, I just think there's a tremendous opportunity there. And, and as you probably uh, will remember my passion for grade nine, I believe that it is um, a year of exploration. I'd like to see far more uh, focus on that um, for career pathways. I was just at a school recently and they were telling me about uh, maker spaces that was there and I was thrilled because I want to see more maker spaces. And that simply is a space that has the tools, but not the structure. So that it's actually the creative minds of our youth and our students that are designing and innovating and creating. And it really shows them that they can think and do beyond a structured learning environment. I always remember uh, our experience with Finland and how they look at learning, not just what's happening inside the walls of a school, but learning happens at every moment in a young person's life. And so how do we embrace that across our system in, in this province and, and our whole system, right? We have a, a great system of education that serves students in very, very, very small remote locations, as well as in big, complex urban settings. And so how do we make sure that um, the new ways of learning are brought into our education system. I know this government has brought in online learning. And that's something that, you know, I announced as minister one meg per second per student. But we have to be responsible and we have to make sure that that broadband high speed access is available everywhere in Ontario and is fair to all students. Rural and remote students should not be disadvantaged because they lack access to connectivity. And if we're going to make that a condition for graduation and for success, then we better make sure we put in the infrastructure and the resources so that all students can learn equally and fairly in this province. I could continue to go on. You know my passion for special education and really seeing the potential of learning in all students, making sure that they have the tools, they have the support so that they can achieve success. One of the things that I announced is uh, making sure mental health supports are available for everyone under the age of 30. Making sure that the next generation in this province is set up for success and that they can really create the future that we all imagine. 
just quickly before we leave education, we're in, uh, you just painted a picture of, of, of where we can go. Um, and it seems like where we're at right now is somewhere with a little bit more turmoil. And I'm curious, uh, you know, you're watching um, a new minister of education deal with potential strikes as early as the end of November. What advice do you have for, I don't think Minister Lecce listens to the show, but uh, if uh, what advice do you have on him in dealing with those partners? Well, you know, and I've I've certainly reached out to Minister Lecce and, and he and I have connected and you know, it's really important that when we think about education, that the center of all of our decision is the student. And that's what has to bring everybody together. That's the common denominator. So whether it's the boards or the unions and their members um, or the, the government um, and the minister and uh, his team, we have to continue to think about the students and what is in their best interest. A strike is in nobody's interest. It, uh, you know, it disrupts the learning of students. I'm very passionate about that. I believe that every year in a student's life is really important and you don't want to lose any time of learning, right? That's something that we want to make sure we keep at the forefront. At the same time, bargaining is is not, it's difficult, it's complex. And it's up to the government to set a tone that is less combative, that respects the role of our teachers and uh, other education workers, and it makes sure that they're coming to the table in good faith. And so as long as all parties are relentlessly focused on that. You know, I remember when we had to negotiate the extension agreements and that was hard bargaining. And sometimes people don't go home. They stay around the clock to make sure that a deal is is landed. And so that's the expectation that I would have is that keep the student as the common denominator and everybody needs to work hard to get a deal done at the table and uh, and recognize that strikes take away from the learning of, of students and we have to keep them at the forefront. So we're asking all the candidates uh, about the process going through the uh, Ontario Liberal leadership race. Um, you know, we're about a few weeks away from cut off for new memberships. There's a fairly high fundraising threshold. It's a tough race to to enter and to, you know, succeed in. So uh, given your role as a champion behind changing that process before, curious for your takes on how navigating um, the race has been so far uh, and how it's going. Yeah. So, you know, I, where we started here was I'm, I wanted to change the race because I really believed that one member, one vote would open up our party and invite new members into our party, make it open and inclusive, a great big red tent uh, for liberals in this province. That didn't happen. We got 60, close to 60% of the vote, it needed the supermajority of 66%. But I believe what happened was that people started to think about the future of the Ontario Liberals. And that's what this race is all about. We have great candidates in the race. You know, I'm in, I'm all the way in. Uh, Rob Benzie from the Toronto Star, when I launched in August, he says Mitzi's in it to win it. And <laughs> and I absolutely, I am in it to win it. And um, and so I'm, I'm running as hard as I can um, with a team that I'm growing all the time and wanting to um, make sure that I reach Liberals in every corner of this province. I really want to listen to the members of this party and to the people of this province, because I think that the only way we will move forward together is if we listen to each other and come up with ideas and solutions that really speak to the real needs. 
And, and that's what I'm hearing. I was just in Napanee last Saturday and, um, you know, in, at a cafe, actually it was a small business owned by Elena. It was Elena's cafe. And I ended up doing a little bit of uh, shopping there after because it was just really, really a great, unique uh, store out in rural Ontario. And, uh, and, and we have incredible places in this province that, that people are um, investing in, they're working hard for their families and for their community. And they want a government that is working equally as hard and recognizes the needs that they have and comes forward with real solutions. That's why I'm running. And uh, I believe that uh, I have um, what it takes not only to be the leader, but to help this province to have a stronger future. And that's, that's why I'm in it. Mitya Hunter, thank you so much for joining. And that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. I want to send a big thank you out to Mitzi Hunter. Thank you for coming in. We miss you and loved having you on the show. We'd love to have you back sometime. Uh, we actually recorded a whole other episode today on the government's fall economic statement, and we went back to a few sticky issues in this liberal leadership race. So uh, it is out today. It uh, should auto-cue after you are done listening to this episode. Check it out wherever you listen to your podcasts. Ontario Loud is recorded on the traditional territories of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, Chippewa, Haudenosaunee, and Wendat peoples. The treaties that allow us to live on these territories are still alive today, but have a problematic colonial history and Canadian society forces Indigenous people to fight for their rights to this day. Ontario Loud is a podcast by Alexi White, Sam Andrew, Kate Hammer, and me, Chris Martin. We are mixed by Philip Askew. Our social media is done by Aisha Anwar and Harmon Mundy. If you have thoughts on what you heard, get at us on Twitter at Ontario Loud or OntarioLoud.ca or or OntarioLoudMail at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon for less than the price of a copy. You can support us on Patreon for less than the price of a cup of coffee per day at OntarioLoud.ca or reviews in the iTunes store. It is super helpful. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week.